the platform and, and introduce you to the pulpit. My son, Stephen, give him a big hand. And uh, today, today uh, take a couple times and show him some love. He's leaving. He's been at Bible school the last two years in Tulsa. Today, we're taking off, and uh, he'll head back to Tulsa, going to do an intern program in Tulsa. And you know what? God's just doing a great work in him, and he's going he's gonna to share with you today uh, seeds of life. Seeds of life. You ready? Okay, I'll sit down. Awesome. It's good to be here. It's good to be able to come and do this. Uh, headed back to Tulsa. Gonna go, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get trained at a church that has years of experience. And I'm gonna come back, and it is my desire and God's plan that I come back and I apply it here, and I'm gonna help build a church here in Tri Cities, Washington, that's gonna be known worldwide. And so I'm excited for that. Uh, just wanted to say that. So just keep me in your prayers. Uh, I need that kind of support, and I appreciate it. And if you want to financially, just come see me after. Uh, seriously. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, okay, right, awesome, so I'm excited to preach, uh, I got a good word, I believe, something that God's been dealing with me with, if you have your Bible, let's turn to 1 Samuel 7, I'm going to start out in 1 Samuel 4, because I want to kind of paint a picture for you guys, here we have, in 1 Samuel 4, it's the Philistines, and the Philistines are fighting against Israel, the people of God. So we are Israel, God's chosen people. We're the chosen generation. So you picture, picture yourself as being an Israelite, and the Philistines is the devil. And they're going to war, and the Israelites lose this first battle against the, Phil, the Philistines, and they don't know why. But what, what it is is they're living in sin. The Philistines are living a life that is not pleasing to God. They aren't following the commandments. They're worshiping false idols. They have altars of sexual sin, they're not living the life, the Zoe life that God's called them to live. And so, they, so they're losing. So they say, okay, well, let's get the ark. Let's get God's ark. We'll have that on our side. God will be with us, and we can go to, we can go to battle and win. And they let out this mighty shout, and the Philistines were, were scared. But the Philistines still won. The Philistines still won the battle, and the Israelites were defeated. And the reason of that is because... You can have God on your side. You can be at church every week. You can be in in the service writing notes down. But if you're still living in sin, you're still going to live a defeated life. There's nothing that can help you except for getting out of that life of sin, out of the mentality that it's your way, and getting in God's life. And that's when you're going to gain victory. So we'll start, and we'll go ahead, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray real quick, and then let's get started. God, we thank you for today. We worship you. God, I pray that you would speak through me, God, that they would not hear my voice, but they would hear your voice, Father God. God, that they did not come here to learn or hear about you, Father God, but they came here to meet you today. So God, that as they come to meet you, God, would you just open up your word and make it alive to them, God. We thank you and we worship you and we dedicate the service to you in your name. Amen. All right. So 1 Samuel 7. And I'm going to go ahead and start in in verse 2. And it says... uh, And the ark remained, okay, so 20 years later after that battle, after they lost, they get the ark back, and they come back, and they got their ark back, and they said, and they're going to bring it through, and Samuel, he's the judge over Israel, and before Christ, and before they had their first king, if you start reading in chapter uh, 8 and 9, the people, the Israelites, wanted the king, which wasn't God's will, 
but we're not talking about that. So what it was is they had judges over the land, and, and Samson was a judge, and, and then Samuel, and, and, they have, and the list goes on, but he was a judge over Israel. And so they brought it back in Samuel, and, and they had it back now, the entire judgeship of, of, uh, of Samuel, and through Saul's reign and well into David's. Uh, and for 20 years before all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord, so 20 years went by of the Israelites living in sin and living a defeated life before they cried out to God. And that word lamented means they, they wailed out to God. And that is one of the first things I want you guys to realize is you need to, number one, you have to repent if you're going to live a life of victory. You have to get all that stuff out. You have to, and, and it is a very sincere sorrow. It is not just a, okay, I know, God forgive me because I know I can do it again. He's going to forgive me anyways. It's a, I am leaving this. I am done with that. And if you keep reading uh, in chapter, or verse 3, it says, And Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the female deities from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So you have to have to have to repent and turn your eyes to God and here it says, return to the Lord with all of your hearts and put away the foreign gods. And it sounds very uh, feminine. Just put away, the, put away the gods, throw them in the, in the closet, shut the door. Don't know. If you study that out, it says that they went and they utterly destroyed them. That they abandoned the altars that they put up and the, and the idols that they had. And you need to figure out, and it was a very honest act that they did. And you have to figure out what idols are you serving in your life that you're putting above God? What kind of idolatry are you giving to where you're not spending that much time with God? You know, for me, a long, for a while, it was, okay, I'm in the gym every single day, but sometimes I'll miss time with God, and that's okay, cause, but I, at least I'm getting a workout in. And, and you don't see it like that. You don't see it as, oh, because that's not my intent. That's not what I wanted. But it's what I was doing is I wouldn't miss a workout on a day but I would miss my time with God, and that was becoming an idolatry in my life. And people, you have to get honest in your life and figure out, what am I spending more time with? What am I putting above God? And you have to get honest, and then you have to utterly destroy that. You know, I'm not doing this and this until I have spent time with God today. You know, there's a church, and I don't, I don't remember where it's from, but, but the pastor told his staff, he said, you guys are not allowed to come into this church any day for work until you have gone out and saved someone. Until you come in here with a, with a soul marked down in your book, you're not coming into this house to put any work in. And, th- and it puts it in perspective of what are we really doing. I mean, what are you really living for? I mean, we've got to get back to that, okay, I'm not here for me. I'm not here to put a church service on or to run a church. I'm here because God has called me to do something. And you have to get that, and you have to find out what am I putting above God, and you get rid of that. And it says that, Return to the Lord with all your heart. The word Lord is put in the Bible over 5,000 times. So there is somewhat of an importance in that word. And a lot of people know God is God. Everybody. And you can ask anybody, God is God, and they'll know that. But to be Lord, that is your master. You are a servant to him. And a lot of people have that whole fight because they don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be... I'm not letting someone tell me what to do. But until you get that and make him the Lord of your life, man, you're going to be walking in circles. Until Walking in circles in defeat, in misery, 
in, in sickness and in bondage until you realize that he has the best thing and it's a bond servant. I'm a bond servant to Christ, meaning I'm going back to him because he is such a good master. So just go ahead and realize that. Uh, let's go to the next verse. So the Israelites put away the balls and the A's and served the Lord only. Next verse. And Samuel said, Gather all to Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And we go ahead and just remember that word Mizpah. We'll come back to that. It's a very cool word, and it's very key in this message. I just want you guys to know that prayer is very, very important. If you're not a person of prayer, that means that you're aligning yourself with God. You're putting your head where his head is, and you're saying, I'm just as good as you because I don't need you to handle this for me. I can do this on my own. And I do not want to be found in that spot when God comes back to be, hey, I'm just as good as God, because I know I cannot handle that. And the last two years of me being away, I have, God's given me revelation through prayer and on prayer and, and why I have to be a man of prayer. And, he, and he's shown me things and he's brought me back to before when I was in, you know, very little kindergarten where I would wake up and I would sit down on the ground with a blanket around me and I would set another blanket up over there just in case God got cold and I would sit there and I would talk to God on my floor before I was ever supposed to be up for school. And I remember that. And then God's bringing it back and, and showing me that, that prayer is it's so important that he, he started to show me about it and teach me about it before I even knew what I was doing. And then I grow up and I watch my dad and through prayer, how everything he did was through prayer, whether we were in trouble and he said, who did it? And no one fessed up. And he said, okay, I'm going to go ask God. And we knew that my dad heard from God, so someone fessed up. But... <laughs> You know that, that prayer is so important, and, and I, I know that the, the path that I'm on and the things that I want to do that before I knew, but from the time I could talk, you asked me, what, what do you want to do? Well, I want to, be a, I want to be a preacher. I want to be like my dad. And so he has led one of the, the, the best that he could example, which is all I need is his best, and that's what he gave me. And I realized that, you know, it's one thing to go before God and and to stand in front of you guys on the account of God, and to stand in front of people on the account of God. But it's one thing for, for him to go to God on the account of you guys, and it's two completely different things, and I realize that that's what I'll be doing one day, is I'll be standing in front of God on the behalf of the congregation that I'm leading, and I have to know that, okay, I'm in his will, I'm not living in this sin, and, and fathers, on Father's Day, you have to realize that you are going to stand before God on behalf of your family, on behalf of the people that you are supposed to lead to at work, Hello, you are going to stand before God on behalf of somebody and you have to realize it's not about you and that if you are not praying, you're not getting your time with God, you have to realize that time spent equals your relationship with God. The time you spend with God determines how much you're going to know God's heart, how much you're going to hear his voice. You, you, don't, you don't get married to someone you don't know. You spend time with them. You learn about them. The more time you spend with them, the more you learn about them. You know everything they don't like, everything they do like, what they get angry about. You know them so well because of the time you spent with them. And that's what God wants is that relationship with you. He wants you to spend so much time with him that he's telling you, you know when he wants you to wake up. You know the kind of food he wants you eating, the time you're supposed to go to bed, who you're supposed to be talking to. God has a plan for you every single day of your life. And you have to have a relationship with him in order to know that plan. And I believe that, that no man, no woman will ever be greater than their prayer life. 
No river, the Columbia River will never be greater than the source that it gets its water from. And I tell you what, you guys have a huge source right here on the, on the front row of prayer right here to where you guys have so much room to grow, to where not growing is not an option. You should be growing every single day of your life. You should be here every single week and getting filled and getting exactly what God has because God talks to him and he hears from God. And it's something for you every single week. So, like I said, if you're not strong in prayer, then you're saying to God that you can manage it yourself, and that's not what God wants. The next verse says, So they gathered to Mizpah and drew water out and poured it before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. Okay, I'm going to stick to that verse real quick. I was reading this, and this is one of the first messages where it's all been out of scrap, where it's just been me reading, and I realized, okay, this is what God wants to talk. You know, I've, I've gotten messages from my dad because he has tons of great messages, and I've listened to other people's messages and, and pulled from them. But this is, this is basically the first one off of my own, and, and I read that, that they went and they drew water and poured it on the ground, and the first thing I thought was, what idiots? Because that's obviously not what you do with water. Why would you pour it on the ground? And so I passed it, and I kept reading, and I, and I went on to fasting. And I said, yeah, they fasted. That's where the victory came from. Because fasting, you pull down strongholds in your life. When you fast, your, your, your spirit man is, is saying no to the natural things, and it amplifies the hunger and the thirst for God, and then he comes and fills. And I tell you what, fasting is awesome. I love fasting. I have fasted a lot, and sometimes it's not that fun. Yeah, but I kept coming back to they drew water, and I didn't understand it. And so I went and I looked into it. And what it is, is they're coming before God, and they're saying, okay, this water represents me, and I'm going to pour it on the ground, and I'm not getting that back. When you pour that water on the ground, you're not getting that water back. And so what it is, it's representing, it's them saying, God, I am sacrificing myself. I am giving you the things that I want. I am taking away my will, my desire, and I'm pouring it out, and I'm giving it to you, and I'm saying, not my will, but your will. It's they have humbled themselves. So the first point I wanted to make was, first, you need to repent. Now the second point is I want to make is you need to humble yourselves. And I believe that the church and that the world has a false view of, of what humility is. It is, uh, it's, I mean, I could ask right now, raise your hand if you are humble. Exactly. I can raise my hand. I believe that I am, I am a humble guy. And, I'll, and I'll, I'm going to prove it to you guys, and I want you to turn to 1 Peter 5. And it says, Likewise you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers and the spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. And now here's where it gets good. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. Put on the clothes of humility. So here's where I don't get. If I'm not supposed to, if I, if I believe I'm a humble guy, and I, I want to be, I hope that you want to be a, a humble person. If I want to be humble, then why can I not say I'm humble? If it's telling me to put on the clothes of humility, it's kind of like saying, okay, you go put that shirt on, but don't tell people you have that shirt on, because if you really have that shirt on, then you don't have that shirt on. That's what it's saying when you're saying, Hey, I'm a humble guy, but you're not really humble because you said you were humble, even though it says to tell people you're humble and to be humble. 
You are supposed to humble yourself. There's no, it's, not, it's not an event in life that's going to humble you. It's not somebody saying something to you that's going to humble you. No, it's you go and you put on the clothes of humility. And that word humble is, is three good words, and it means to retire, to withdraw, and to yield. And what does that mean? It's to retire from your ways, withdraw from what you want, and yield to God's way. That's what it means to be humble. So if you're not a humble person, that means you're in pride. And it says right there that he resisteth the proud. I'm telling you, God will never leave or forsake you, but he will resist you. But the thing I like about it is, is the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And he said he brought the child to him. And, he, and the reason he brought the child to him is because the child is the most humble person. Because what do you do as a child growing up? You listen to what your parents say and you do what they say. You don't do what you want to do. You don't go where you want to go. You go where they want you to go. When they say stop, you stop because I'm yielding to my ways. I'm retiring to what, what I want to do, and I'm withdrawing from what I want, and I'm following what my dad says to do. And so that's what God wants, is you to retire, withdraw, and to yield, and that's where you humble yourself to be teachable beyond being teachable, to where no matter where you're at in life, you can learn and you can listen and you can obey. And when you are humble, that's when God's benefits pour out on you. And it lists the benefits right here. It says, uh, I'm going to read it in my Bible. It says, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the, one of the first benefits you're going to get is you're going to get more of grace, more of God's empowerment to do what he has called you to do, more of God's empowerment to get through the day, to get through the battles. Come on. The next thing, it says, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. No one else, humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. One of the next benefits, you're going to get exalted. You're going to be lifted up out of the things that you need out of. People need to be exalted out of broken relationships, out of religion. They need to be exalted out of sickness and out of bondage. Guys, the reason that you fall time and time and time again and you run in circles and you, and you get defeated, defeated, defeated on the same thing is because you are in pride. You're standing up to God and saying, no, I'm going to do this my way. I'm not going to listen to you. I think I can do this my way. And so time and time again, you hit a wall. You just keep running to the wall because you're in pride. How many know if you would get humble and you'd humble yourself, you'd be lifted right out of that? One of the next things is, is casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. You're going to get more of God's care, more of God's love. And the love that goes on and on and on, that no matter what you do, no matter where you've been, God still loves you. The fact that if I was the only person on this world today and I was going to live in sin the rest of my life, that Jesus would have still come and died for me. Hey, guys, that's the love I want to be walking in every single day, and that's the love I want more of. Be sober, be vigilant, because your father, or because the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. You're going to be able to resist the devil. One of the benefits is being able to resist the temptations in life that bring the battles that come, you're going to have victory. Come on, when I follow, and I and as growing up, and I'm walking in my Father's will, His benefits are open to me. I get to drive His cars, eat His food, spend His money, preach in His church. But when I am in pride, and I'm saying, no, I'm doing this my way, well, the wallet closes, the keys get taken away, somehow the food's gone. Hello? This is what it is to humble yourselves. You have to humble yourselves. Let's go back to First Samuel. Let's go to chapter, er, verse 7. 
So, so they gathered at Mizpah and drew, or now when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So here's what it is. That word Mizpah, it means like watchtower, the place that God has called you to watch over. And so if we go back and we, and we look at that, it's saying, okay, we have come now, we have repented, a sorrowful repent. We are fervent with our repentance. We're saying, God, forgive us. We have poured out, we have sacrificed what we want, and we're saying, God, I'm living your way. And that's when the enemy comes. The enemy's saying, 20 years ago, we beat these guys in this spot right here. 20 years ago, we stole that ark. 20 years ago, we had victory, and now they are coming back to this spot that they have been called to watch over. Miss, but you have all been called to watch over something. You know, I mean, know that. You have all been called to watch over. So the, the enemy sees that, okay, they're going back, and they're going back to the spot where we defeated them. So we're going to come back, and we're going to fight them again, and we're going to defeat them again. And that's what the enemy is out there to do, kill, steal, and destroy. How many know he's not coming to knock you down? He's coming to destroy you. And you have to realize that, that, hey, part of being a Christian is a battle. And that's why there are so many weak Christians out there because they're, they, they do not want to fight, nor do they think they have what it takes to fight. And, the, and it's sad. I tell you what, the people, the men whose families are flourishing, who have good relationships, who are walking in health and prosperity, that are going to be standing behind my dad in 20 years are going to be men who know how to fight who are going to be men who are going to come, who are going to wake up on Thursday mornings and come to prayer and fight battles. Because what it is is you don't realize that when you come and you pray, you don't know what you're praying, but you are fighting battles that he doesn't have to fight. You're, you, are have, you are getting victories that he needs in order to get the word from God that, that you need. And it takes a fighter and it takes someone who's going to walk in that in order to be successful and, and to be there. And I guarantee you, you wait 20 years from now, you're going to see the men who are close to him are going to be men who know how to fight and who know how to stand on the word of prayer. Let's get back to where I was at. Um, so they come back, and so the Philistines saying, okay, here I am. We're coming back, and we're going to fight. So let's go to the next verse. And the Israelites said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. You cannot stop praying. You cannot get to the point where you say, I'm okay to, I'm okay to relax now. I'm okay to let, to let ease because I have done this and this and this and, whew, I'm good. No, you cannot stop praying. It cannot be an option to stop praying. Samuel never stopped praying to God. Let's go to the next verse. So Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Guys, we have been, the last few last weeks, we have been starting and ending every service with a cry to God. Hey, that's where the victory is at. Are you willing to cry out to God for your victory? I mean, you see people who stand there, and yet in life they're going in the same thing, and they're, staying, they're getting defeated and defeated and defeated, and the relationships are broken, and they're in bondage day after day, and they, and they live in sickness, but yet they won't stand here and cry out to their God, the healer, the one who, who has won the battle already. You can't cry out to God. You guys, you have to cry out to God, and it promises right there the Lord answered him. You guys, the Lord will answer you when you cry out to God. When you cry out to God for your, for your victory, 
He's going to answer you. And so we keep reading. And it says, And now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near to attack. But the Lord thundered with a great voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated. They won the battle. Israelites won the battle. So we keep reading. And it says, And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them. They went to the place, back to the place where they were defeated, to the place where they were supposed to be watching, and they went and they had victory in that place. The next verse says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and he called the name of it Ebenezer, stone of help, saying, Heretofore the Lord has helped us. The next thing you guys have to do, you guys have to remember your victories. You guys have to put a stone and say, this place is where we won. This is where God showed up. So he built, it, it, it is, he built an altar of remembrance, and altars are where, in the Bible is where God showed up for people. So they would build an altar, and they would make sacrifices on that altar because God showed up here, so we're going to sacrifice to God. We no longer have to sacrifice, but I do believe that we do have to set up an altar of remembrance for our battles because this, this is what it is. It's, them, it's, it's Samuel saying, listen, 20 years ago, while you guys were doing your own thing, you were defeated right here. And they could live the rest of their life thinking that. But the next thing that they remember is right here is where God showed up and we had victory. Because we humbled ourselves, we repented, and God showed up. And I believe that in every single one of your lives, you have to build a thing of victory. When you go through life and there's a battle and you win it, make a, 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 an altar of remembrance. I do not believe that the next service we have out there on the highway property is just going to be another plain old service. It is going to be a service to remember because that is where God showed up with the millions of dollars that we need to build that property. And we're going to remember that and we're going to remember that's where God showed up over there on Clearwater. And that's where God showed up over there in Pasco. And this is where God showed up when he started the church. We are going to have a service to remember. And I believe you have to do that in your everyday life. You have to say, boom, this is what I'm doing because I'm going to remember this day so then past victories, I can bring it forth. And that's what they did. They remembered their victories because if you can remember what God did for you before, then you can walk through this next battle knowing that God's going to do it again. Because what God does one way, he does every way. What God does for one, he does for all. God is, not the, sa- God is the same today as he was yesterday, and he's going to be forever. And you keep reading. And it says, So the Philistines were subdued and came no more into the Israelite territory and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And I love that verse. I love that verse because, one, that tells me that I can walk through life and never have to face that, that battle again. I can stay vict- in victory the rest of my life. I never have to fall to that, to that enemy again. And for the rest of his life, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. He never had to worry about the Philistines. And in chapter 8, it talks about Samuel's kids. And so I believe that I can walk through victory for me, but also for my kids. That my kids aren't going to have to fight the battles that I have to fight because I have already won them. And that my kids' kids aren't going to have to fight the battle because I'm still around and I'm not letting that come back into my family. And you guys have to realize that, that if you want victory in your life, that hey, I hope you want it for your family but you can get it and it can stay there for the rest of your life. You don't have to watch your kids go through defeat because you've already defeated that. You've already defeated it. You don't have to stand through that. And if you keep reading, 
and I, I love it, and it says, The cities the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored. When you get victory in your life and you win the battle, there's restoration. Restoration comes from God, and the things that were taken from you, the cities that were lost from you, the places that you had built, they're coming back, and they're going to get restored. And it says, In the territory from the Philistines, there was peace also between the Israel and the Amorites. Peace comes into your life. How many could use some peace in their life? Right? Victory brings restoration and peace. Keep reading. One more verse. And Samuel judged Israel all the days. Right here it says Samuel. It keeps talking in the next chapter. And it says Samuel went out and he, was, he would travel from place to place. He got promoted. He got promotion and he went from place to place to place. Going back and forth from the house of God to the place where he judged to his home. Back and forth. When you gain victory in your life, you get promotion. Promotion comes from God. It's not you promoting yourself. It's, but the God kind of promotion is the kind of promotion that I want. And so I believe, before I hand it back over, that, that God is here today and he wants to help you gain victory in your life. But the first thing you have to do is you have to repent. And then you have to humble yourself. And you have to realize that whatever you give out, you're not taking back. And you have to make sure that that's what you want. Because it's not okay for you to lay it down here, but go pick it back up in the parking lot. Because that's when you, you keep running into that wall. Because you say, God, I'm done with this, I'm done with my ways. But yet you go back out and you leave this place and you pick it back up and you walk in defeat over and over again. No, it's a, I am not getting this back. And then you win the battle and your children and your children's and their children and their children are going to live in victory because of what you did. I believe that when, when the, uh, the false prophets went up to, the, to the, the demon-possessed guy because they saw the other men casting demons out in Jesus' name, and, and they said, okay, we should try this, and they said, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And the demon said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But we do not know you. That's going to be me. I'm going to be the... Jesus we know, Paul, Stephen we know, but it's not, we do not know you. That's where you guys need to be. You guys need to realize that the victory that you're going to have is going to cause you to rise up, that whatever battlefield that you walk on, whatever kind of situation you come in, the angels of God are standing there already saying, Hail, Son of God, Son, Daughter of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Father is here today and He is going to get victory. Come on, guys. I mean... Get it. The victory is yours and you can get it. And it's not just sitting around, but it's fighting and you're going to have to fight. And in order for victory, you've got to repent. You have to humble yourself. You have to pray. And you have to remember your victories. If you want victory, remember the victories that God's given you. Amen? Amen. 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 That's awesome. Awesome. They, they drew water out. They drew water. Anybody ever drawn water from a well by hand? You, you know, there's some work. I, 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 you know, we're, we're so used to just turning a knob. You know, and, and I think some of us, even in our relationship with God, even in the, in the realm of victory, we just, we just want to turn a knob, don't we? We, we don't want to have to put any effort in. We don't want to, you know, to draw water, that's to go a little bit deeper than to deal with that surface issue. You know, some of us don't have breakthrough in our life because of certain things that are, that are hidden. You know, bring that stone out and, and make a memorial. What are you talking about? I don't want anybody to know I, I even had that in my life, let alone put up a monument that talks about the freedom from it. 
See, a lot of us, we don't have freedom because we're high, we've hit it so long. The enemy's got you where he wants you, right? Because you won't even admit you got the problem. You, you won't even, you won't even, you, you don't even want to address that. You, you want to blame it on somebody else. It, it was probably the way your mommy treated you when you were in diapers, and, and so it's her fault. No, man, you got some stuff, and you got to get deep, and you got you to be willing to apply some effort and say, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to pour it out here. I'm going to get it all out on the table. But just realize that it's going to dissolve into the ground. And, you know, the thing that the enemy's blackmailing you with, once you bring it out into the light, he ain't got no more grip. Right? And, and, and you might be sitting here today thinking, man, I know people who have victory, and I've heard about victory. And, and, and you know, I even have friends that, that have been to Israel, you know, and they've, they've gone down right where David slew Goliath, and they picked up rocks, and they brought some home, and they gave me a stone. Remember that Father's Day we handed out stones? And, and I know guys who still carry that rock in their pocket, but it just represents somebody else's victory. How about you get your own victory? How about you realize that, you know what, what God's done for others, he'll do it for me too. But I'm probably going to have to go through the process that they went through to get it, right? I can't just, you know, there's some stuff in your world that God wants you to know real personal victory in. Why not embrace that today? You know, we're walking around here barefoot. You know, we're giving our shoes. Well, that seems crazy. Right. It is. Because in order for God to do the unreasonable, you're probably going to have to cross the line of reason. And in order to put God in a place where he can do something that would blow your mind, you're probably going to have to be willing to lose your mind, right? And that, well, what does that mean? To give up the way you think about it. To lose your mind. To give up the way you think it should be done. There's a way that seemeth right to you, but according to King James, that sucketh. So you need to do it God's way, right? Right? So there's a way that seems right, but the end, the end that God declared in the beginning is awesome. How about you just determine today, you know what? God has victory for my life. I think the best scripture in that whole passage is it says that the hand of the Lord was with him. The rest of it, all the way through the Bible, when it talks about the hand of the Lord or the arm of the Lord, what it's referring to is the full measure of God's power. That's what the hand of God represents, the full measure of God's power. What is available to you? The full measure of God's power. Not, not, not just a little bit. Not, not a goose bump or the hair standing up. That's, that's cool. That ain't enough. You get the full measure of God's power in your life. Amen? See, that's what we're believing God for today. As we sew these shoes, right? We've been bringing shoes in. And matter of fact, if you still have your shoes, what I want you to do is get ready. And we're going we're gonna to take off our shoes and we're going to bring them up here. We even got little flip-flop things that, at the door on your way out so you can make it out without hurting yourself. And, uh, uh, you, but we're going to bring these shoes. And you know what we're believing? See, we believe that we serve an awesome God. By the way, you, you might have come today and say, shoes, what is this barefoot thing? We're giving our shoes to people who ain't got any. And you know what? There's people in this church that, that grew up. You know, talk to Kathy Darby and, and have her tell you some of the stories that, you know, when, when they needed a doctor at their house, she had to go two miles down the street. She was in fifth grade uh, in the middle of the winter in Yakima, and she, all she had was some flip-flops. And, you know, she, she went all through, you know, she wanted to go out for track, but she had to run barefoot. And, you know, we, there's people in our community. I had no idea how many people in our, in our own community that are in desperate need for shoes. So we, we just decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to do this. See, those people that he preached about today, they brought an offering. And that's what we're doing. We're bringing an offering. And they were, they were crying out to God for a breakthrough, right? And, and guess what we're going to get? A breakthrough. 
through. We're giving God souls for souls. Amen. So we're going to sow these shoes and we're believing that the anointing that's been upon our life is going to be transferred upon the lives of others. And there's some guy that's got sickness in his body. that's going to slip his foot into your shoe and the anointing that destroys yokes is going to be. Hello, somebody. Boom. Just like that, he's going to be free. You know, some little gal is going to come right to her right mind because she's put your shoe on and the relationship families that are being targeted by the devil are going to be restored by the lord because of an anointing amen so so you ready you know what if you haven't got yours up here yet bring them now 